Welcome to the People Impact Podcast. Because people matter. We used to be HR matters. Now we are taking a wider view. This is for you if you are interested in expanding your perspective on people inside your organization and on yourself as a human being. We explore ideas about impacting and improving the way people lead and work together in organizations today. For all of you out there who are open to new views, visions, and dreams. Featuring Marjolein Fluch. Hello. Myself, Lisa Dempsey. And today we have a very special guest, Matthew Reynolds. Matthew, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Marjolein, for having me here. We are so pleased to have you. Yeah, (laughs) we're both so excited. (laughs) We're both like, yay, Matthew's here. We want to get dug into this really juicy conversation because I think Marlene and you and I, we both agree that Matthew has such a really deep perspective on the human experience. Um, And there's, there's this lens that you bring. First of all, you bring this equity lens to life, but you also talk a lot about how much thinking is your own thinking. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I think that that's one of the key places um, for myself in in formulating what I offer now through the workshops to people to craft their own personal equity lens. So crafting your equity lens. I think a lot of folks hear equity lens and it's been used in, in the DEI realm before. And so people think they have an idea of it. (laughs) Um, from where I'm coming from. But that question of how much of your thinking is your thinking actually helped me to formulate the definition of an equity lens that we use um, in our workshops to help people formulate a lens for they themselves to use as a tool. So really quickly, our definition of an equity lens is something crafted by the individual utilizing their own lived experiences It must be ever evolving as one meets new people, has new experiences, gains knowledge and wisdom, and recognizes what their own definition of anti-racist work is. It must be something that grows into being your truth vision. It has integrity, accountability, responsibility, vulnerability, hard work, self-worth, and unconditional love at its core. It is building unconditional belonging. It is a call to action. And so that whole idea of how much of your thinking is your thinking, your truth vision, what Mm -hmm. is your truth? Right. A lot of times I felt myself personally before I moved in and shifted. This has been something that's been going on for about the last 15, 16 years, more focused. But of course, all my life of being able to really see what is the authentic me. Mm. I've been I've been so engrossed or or taken to this place of survival that, you know, I'm having to fit in constantly whatever environment I find myself in. And as a gay black man, you know, in the United States, um, there's a lot of places I do not fit in. 
So my, my language, that whole code switching, my mm-hmm. appearance, making myself seem smaller, making sure that I'm really conscious of my eye contact with people and how loud my voice is, or if things may come across as aggressive, because a lot of folks already have these preconceived single story prejudices about me mm-hmm. before I even speak. And so once again, that was kind of like, well, let me turn that in on myself. When am I doing that for other people? And when am I doing that for me when I look in the mirror? So through the course of the day, I might ask myself, is that really the way that you think about this situation or this conversation that you're having? Or Mm -hmm. is your own prejudices and bias, your own single story about a group of people coming up right now? And that's why you're responding. So let me Mm -hmm. have this initial reaction because that's a truth as well. I know where it comes from, though, and that Mm -hmm. that's not my authentic self. And then I can start really, truly being grounded and being in this situation as my authentic self. That's, so that's, where that's that really comes. remarkable that you that you also incorporate that first initial reaction that, you know, that's hard to stop, even though whether we like it or not, that it's there. That's what happens. And then what do you do? Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that... Um, as a theater person as well, Mm because that's part of my journey, my lived experience, Mm -hmm. Um, an actor and a dancer. That was one of the things that um, a lot of the great directors that I worked with and something that I took into the classroom when I was teaching high school as well and teaching theater there is, all right, that's your initial response. Now, What's your third or fourth response? Let's try it another way. Let's, let's, let's keep digging and going. And it was like, well, why aren't I doing that with my life when I know that what's coming up is the survival Matthew, Mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm trying to fit in and be safe. And what truly is how I would react to this. And that, that might be three or four responses down, taking a breath, allowing myself that patience and that time. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to talk about this space of survival, because that's something that I I recognize that from my own story, right? I I recognize that I was in a survival mode for such a long time, such a very, very long time. And it literally took me hitting the brick wall at 100 miles an hour, you know, massive burnout um, to, to really wake up and realize, hold on wait just a second, what, what I'm doing, the way I'm living is absolutely not serving me. I am constantly shoving myself into this corner of survival rather than thriving, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than thriving in the truth of me. So tell me a little bit more about what you observe about this survival space. How do you recognize it? What's what are some of the hallmarks of it for you? Okay, so <laughs> the greater scope of it is as once again a black gay male, my identifiers, how I identify um, in the United States, looking at that aspect of of who I am and those aspects and not wanting to leave any of that out when I'm meeting people. This is, mm-hmm. I want to bring all of me to the situation. Yeah. And very early on in my life, seeing moments where it wasn't safe for me to bring all aspects of me. Yeah. 
And so then that kind of has always been part of, of my subconscious and my conscious life and really starting to look around and be like, why can't I live wherever I want to live? Why, why, oh no, don't go that to that neighborhood or don't go to that part of the state or stay away from over here or what? Why? Well, because you know, you're, you're, because you're black or well, because you're gay or, you know, and all these other things. And it's like, well, why should that be a factor mm-hmm. in me being able to be somewhere and just be my authentic self? And so the survival aspect started early, early on. And then I started seeing how it's tied into a lot of the ideas of success or climbing the ladder, or, you know, if you're going to have um, this, this idea of a career in the United States. And then I started going, well, whose, whose definition is this? Who's mm-hmm. defining these things? And then I started looking more deeply and it's like, oh yeah, of course. So when the Civil War happened and all the folks who were on the Confederate side and believed in the particular way that they did, believed that they were superior to a group of people because of some of these physical traits, just because they lost, they didn't lose any of those ideologies. And we can see that through American history, which is trying to not be taught now in the United States and how everybody's crammed it into critical race theory, um, which has nothing to do with it at all. Um, As I looked at all of this, it's like, oh, well, that's why we have the Jim Crow era and and all the different things in the civil rights movement and the freedom movement and and LGBTQ rights and moving those ideas and, and trying to have this sense of just belonging because white supremacy culture isn't about everybody belonging. It's right. not even about humanity. It's about we need you to be this cog in this machine to continue to amass wealth for this group of people. And you need to burn yourself out while doing it. But we're going to tell you that you're really super successful. We're going to talk about a free market that you can climb these things and and feel like you've been successful and had this great life. When in doubt, it's like, how much of that great life were you even your authentic self? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Status and success is this and all it serves is, well, exactly. And do you Mm -hmm. really want to serve that? Yeah. How much of that dream, how much of that, whether it be the American dream or whatever other kind of dream you, you have, how much of it is actually yours and in alignment with what you want and what you need as an individual to thrive. Yeah. Yes. Or to just be yourself, be your, you know, I call it U shape to be your own shape, just who you are rather than squeeze yourself into weird shape in a corner and a, you know, um, yeah. it, a square peg in a round hole. Exactly. And, but, but where does that start? It starts with our youth, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? It's like, okay, those crazy youth, look at the hair and the clothes (laughs) and that music. Oh my gosh. And just blah, 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 la, la, la. Who are these young kids? What are they thinking? Who do they think they are? (laughs) And then they reach a certain age and it's like, okay, that was cute. But, you know, here's the status quo box and um, you need to get into it now. And yeah, leave that hair, leave the, you know, you can listen to the music maybe in the car ride to work or whatever, but you need to leave those things outside 
as you step into this status quo idea of what it means in the U.S. to be a U.S. citizen. Once again, how much of your thinking is your thinking? If you're not allowed to, when you go to work, to even bring all aspects of who you are, if there's nobody at work who you can connect with and have lunch with and talk about what's going on at home without any fear that this person across from you might like be be mortified that you have someone of the same gender that you love and that you're married to and that you share your home with or you've chosen not to have kids or you've done this or you've done that or this is your faith or whatever it might be people are afraid to even have those conversations and it's difficult to make connections when the deepest connection that we should have is that we are other we are human beings And this is another human being across from me. And I should see your humanity. You should see mine, no matter what we think. Right. I get goosebumps. Say that again. Say that again about humanity. (laughs) I mean, I think that. I need to see your humanity. I need to see your humanity so that you will recognize and see mine. I want to honor that in each other. I want us to be more humanity led. White supremacy culture. The ideas of the patriarchy, hierarchy, corrupt capitalism, all of that does not want us to recognize each other's humanity. It wants it to be a binary so that it can use the whole divide and conquer. As long as there is this division here, we're good to go because then nobody's going to really look at all the shady stuff that we're doing behind the scenes to make sure that this particular group of people is amassing wealth. There's nothing binary about being human, right? At all. Mm-mm. Nothing so at all. Why, why, yeah, why even entertain the thought? Why would that be a part of being successful in anything? Yeah. Well, like Nothing I said, to do with human. Yeah. It's yeah. divide and conquer. Yeah. It's yeah. not doing anything to help us become our biggest, fullest, and brightest. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, that's the whole thing. It's this big catch 22. And that's why people are like, oh, there's no new music. There's no new this. There's It's all been done before. We've got cartoons that are now being made into live action. We have live action movies that are being made into anime. It's <laughs> like, you know, we, it's like, well, where's that curiosity? Yeah, for same stories again and again. Right. Yeah. I want to pause for just a second yeah. and kind of unravel this space. Cause I think there's something really important in this uh, around, you know, this intersectionality between being fully human being your full self and seeing your own humanity and the humanity of those around you and these systems of oppression that you've mentioned, you know, the white supremacy, corrupt capitalism, patriarchy, those are all really big terms, really big names, really big things. We obviously won't be able to deconstruct all of it in the time that we have, but What's the link between those things in your mind? Because I, for me, it's crystal clear, but I'm aware that, you know, like I've done a lot of work in anti-racism. I've done a lot of work in feminism and some of the, you know, intersectionality of, of all of that. But for you, what, what is that crossover? And, and yeah, help break that down for just a second. Okay. Um John Buen says it best um, in his TED talk that he did in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2018, 2019. Um, And his whole thing in there is, is that white whiteness 
it's based on a lie. Yeah. Gomez de Zarara, who was a writer in Portuguese, created is the first time John Buin talked with Ibram X. Kendi, who's another leading historian, um, <laughs> and somebody who is moving this anti-racist work forward. Yeah. He asked him, where did this all start? And so he says, Gomez de Zarara. And he was the first person who actually wrote down these, what would be considered racist ideas. Once again, race hasn't been created yet, but he had lumped together all the peoples of Africa, of the continent, saying that they were less than, that they were savage, et cetera, et cetera. Now it helps to follow the money because yeah. the Portuguese crown had just recently started the Atlantic slave trade. They were the first ones to go down to sub-Saharan Africa and to capture folks and to sell them, uh, the humans, as, as labor. And so mm -hmm. it, it was really good to have something that was in writing stating that these folks are this way, then it kind of eased people's consciousness. So that idea was then taken to the colonies um, in the U.S. And the first time that we see the word white referring to Western Europeans was after the Bacon Rebellion in 1681. Mm -hmm. And so that we see that this now, it's all a construct. It's yeah. all a lie. And so, when, you know, and when you get back to that and look at that, for me, it's like, how can we continue to uphold and do what is being done to peoples? And that's why I'm not in the classroom anymore. Mm -hmm. The education system in the United States, the larger public education system is an indoctrination system, mm -hmm. and it's hurtful and harmful to a lot of marginalized peoples. The yeah. whole school to prison pipeline is just, it's, I can't be a part of that anymore. And then they say, well, if you want to change the system, be within the system. That system has been around for hundreds of years and it is super, super strong and it does not want to let go of its ideas of power and it'll do anything and everything to hold on to its grip. And that's where the gaslighting is so super strong. And that's why, but if you just step back and look at some of the facts, but now we even have facts and people are like, well, that's not a fact. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Post-fact society. Like, oh, that's oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, what, yeah. I, what I do appreciate about your experience in education is what it now brings you in being even, you know, bringing even more successful workshops and teaching and, and, and learning for other people to life. Yeah. So uh, yeah. thank and, you, and system, for that. That's, it. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I don't blame you for, for stepping out. You know, there's more than yeah. one way to make change. Yes. But yes. I appreciate that breakdown because that, you know, that that really is that's where the dehumanization started when it started, mm -hmm. you know, making definitions about people being different, people being other and less than. Mm -hmm. And therefore we suddenly feel this right to rob them of their humanity, rob other human beings of their freedom, rob them of all of these things that white people were more than happy to take for themselves as a natural God-given born right. To make more money. Uh, yeah, to make more money. And, and that, you know, in, in my experience, in my understanding, that that is that very intricate, deep tie between colonialism, white supremacy, and capitalism, mm -hmm. and how those systems mm -hmm. of oppression, and they really are systems of oppression, how they 
collaborate, right? How they co-conspire yes. to yes. build off of one another. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's the intersectionality that you're talking about and how those, that cross-pollination, that idea, you know, when we really look at it, it's not just the intersections that they hit, it's been filling in all the gaps as well uh, over yeah. time. And so that people, and that's why I'm asking, how much of your thinking is your thinking? Yeah. When, mm-hmm. when organizations come to me and they're like, well, we want help with our policies and procedures, and we want to look at these aspects, and we want, to, want you to do, and it's like, you know what? I can come in and I can tell you what plays you should be producing. I can tell you what books you should have in your syllabus. I should, t- I could tell you this. I could look at your policies and procedures, your mission, your vision, look at the words that are there, tell you what's upholding white supremacy culture, what's not, et cetera, some new words that you might put in there, but it's not going to mean anything to you as a person mm-hmm. if you are not invested in it. And yeah. that's where the crafting your equity lens comes in. You now have a tool yourself. It is something that is shifting your consciousness so that we can actually change the culture. It's not just about changing the words on the page, because if it doesn't do what you, what your expectation of it is, especially from a hierarchical perspective, and you in the upper echelon don't think that it's working, then you will poo-poo it, blame me and get rid of it. And you're done. And then you just continue things the way that they always have. And that's what I saw in the education system. And that's why it's like, no, I want people to craft a tool that they themselves Hmm. have crafted coming from their lived experience so that they can use that tool then to truly change and shift the organizations, which brings me to the title of my book that I just Mm -hmm. completed on October. Yay! (laughs) Which so, we want to celebrate with you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> big celebration. It's coming out soon. Thank oh, you. well done. Thank you. And thank you for bringing this into the world. I mean, you did all the work. We're just celebrating with you. And we're looking to see Well, there's been a lot of folks, a lot of folks who are helping, and it's in the editing process thank right now. And, <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you so much. Um, tell us, what's the name? The title of my book is Biggest fullest, brightest, shifting Ooh. the consciousness of humanity. Wow. Biggest, fullest, brightest, shifting the consciousness of humanity. Yeah. Our consciousness right now is stuck on a catch 22. Mm-hmm. And that's what supremacy culture wants it to be. Because mm-hmm. as soon as we step off of it and get out of the binary and really start to understand that us disagreeing doesn't mean that it has to end in violence or us never talking to one another again. Us disagreeing means that whatever we're disagreeing about, we get to pull it and make it into its biggest, fullest, and brightest. And we get to share in this new creation that our creativity and our curiosity created instead of just being upset and angry with each other and walking away from the table. It's like, yes, have your truth and, be, and stand strong in what is the truth of you and your convictions, but also recognize my humanity within that and that I don't necessarily agree with everything that you're saying. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I tell people nowadays is, no, thank you. I don't subscribe to that ideology. We're going to find, we need to find a new way to talk with one another. And that's the shift in consciousness 
And that's what a lot of folks are like, what do you, wait, what do you mean? I don't under, well, a lot of the story I don't believe in. Yeah. (laughs) Well, a lot, but a lot of the things that you're saying, how much of your thinking is your thinking come from this perspective of either supremacy culture, patriarchy, hierarchy, or corrupt capitalism. And it doesn't matter what your outward appearance is or what you identify as from a sexuality to a gender identity to what faith or religion, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The colonial, the, the colonizer illness has affected all of us and we've internalized it on a particular level. And that's why I ask myself throughout the course of a day, how much of your thinking is your thinking? Because it's not going to be, I'm not going to be free of it in this lifetime, mm-hmm. but I can leave tools for future generations to pick up, adjust the grip to their grip, and continue building something that does not have supremacy culture as part of its makeup. Yeah, and you do leave those tools. You, you're, you're bringing them and you're making them, you're making more of them. You just brought one. Um, and I, I really appreciate that part where, you know, whatever comes up first is also there. And then where do you take that? And then do you reflect on that? Do you think, wait a minute, where's this story coming from? And well, who am I and what am I and what do I care about? And is that really true for me? It's my truth. Yeah. Where do I want to take this life that I have here? Time and time again, I, I, when, when things get uncomfortable, right? Because superiority, that whole internalized superiority tells us that we're supposed to be comfortable. We have mm-hmm. a right to comfort. I have a right to be comfortable. Don't tell me to wear a mask. Don't tell me to get vaccinated. Don't tell me to do these things because I have a right to comfort. Okay, well then, but how much are you not seeing somebody else's humanity? And is that really the way that you think? Because a lot of times I keep getting told by people, this is really uncomfortable. Just, Just tell me what I should do. Just tell me how I should create this equity at my place or inclusivity. Tell me what I should do. And it's like, no. What's the formula? Ah, Exactly. Mm. How can we strategize this and make this fit once again into what? Supremacy culture? Really? There's not much of a quick and dirty solution here. No. Exactly. And, but so that once again, I myself have those moments. It's like, oh, well, actually. Wait a minute. What? Are you human? (laughs) 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 But I'm I'm also that. (laughs) I'm that weird one who who really enjoys self-reflection. And now I'm kind of like, wow, why am I thinking this way? And what's coming up for me? And I kind of enjoy that. And other people are like, no, I don't like that. I feel out of control. Don't do that anymore. And it's like, yes, come on, let's go. But um, it's it really is where the bread and butter is at. It really is where, when you were talking earlier, Lisa, about thriving, that's where it's at. That whole uncomfortableness and discomfort says we're healing. We're healing yeah. from something that has, has lulled us into this false sense of comfort, mm-hmm. but has not done anything to let humanity grow and expand into its biggest, fullest and brightest. Oh, wow. I get chills as you say that. That's so powerful. I can't yeah. wait till that book comes out. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 So excited for that. What's one thing, you know, you mentioned healing. Healing is a big word and there's so much healing that's needed in the world. What's one thing you think, Matthew, people can start doing 
today, tomorrow, to start healing? I, I would I would put it into three because I, I like I like when I say balance, I talk about balancing mind, body, and spirit. Mm, it, uh, yeah. I try to even take the integration. Yeah. Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah, the integration yes. of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So I think the very first thing is to listen, learn how to actively listen, mm. not just to other people and their stories, but to yourself, what yeah. your body is saying to you. Why, why, why am I itchy all of a sudden? Why are my palms sweaty? Why did my mouth go dry? What just happened around me to really listen to your environment and listen to what your body is telling you. The other thing then is to be peak that curiosity, how much of your thinking is your thinking. And when I'm looking and listening, actively listening to somebody else, and it's like, how much of their thinking is their thinking? really. And then I'm allowed to see their humanity as well and be able to not project on them that you need to do this or you need to do that, but just lay out that question. How much of your thinking is your thinking? Is that really how you feel? Because you're not seeing or recognizing my humanity. And this is how I'm stating that. And oh, you think you are. Okay. Well, I just said, so please hear me that Mm -hmm. this is how our, our interaction is making me feel right now. And then the last one is those limiting beliefs that this indoctrination into supremacy culture, it's all about us tearing ourselves down, even to the point of, well, how do I sell my deodorant? I'd say, you're not going to get the perfect mate if you smell this way. You need to wear this and smell this way. Mm, and so mm-hmm. even our marketing for for years has been tearing us down and thinking that we're not worthy of what our own personal dignity because we were all born with dignity and we were all born with power so actively listen to yourself and others ask yourself and others how much of your thinking is your thinking and know that you are worthy you are love and you are loved let yourself be Wow. Powerful. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. It's nice to be able to speak and be heard and listen and be challenged and embrace that challenge. And so that's what I got in this time together. And I'm super appreciative. Thank you so much. We are very happy with the opportunity to share this with more people and uh, so what's what's your website oh www.mrrconsulting.org so matthew matthew ray reynolds mrrconsulting.org <laughs> excellent so that's and we'll put this in the show notes but just when you're listening and you think i want to go there this right way and <laughs> yeah i want, I want, I want more of matthew yeah <laughs> please do because yeah it's really so good. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Your, your, your work is foundational and it's powerful. Thank you so much for sharing it. Mm. Yeah. And thank you for giving folks like myself a platform to put this out in, into the world so that we can shift the consciousness of humanity. Yeah. Oh, we need so much healing out there in the world. Absolutely. Oh. Well, thank you, Matthew. And, and thanks everyone out there for listening. 
You can listen to our podcast directly online. It's pretty easy to find the People Impact Podcast on your favorite apps, including Apple, Google, Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so that you are the first one to learn about new episodes and new topics and wonderful people like Matthew and others out there. We'd also love to hear your feedback, topic requests, and give us a rating and review. We'd love to know what you think. And we want to hear what's on your mind in the workplace. Let us know. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye.